Hello, it's good to be with you today. We're going to be talking about God is Generous. I hope that you've been enjoying the God is series. I know that I have. And today we're going to be looking at the generosity of God. We're going to do an introduction together, a Bible study, and then we'll close out with a few practical points. The introduction. I have to admit that I chose this topic. I asked to speak on this. But then as I was studying it out the last few weeks, I found out it's um, it's more difficult to talk about the generosity of God in a pandemic than when we're not having a pandemic. Or when you're on the mountaintop versus being in a desert. Or there's a time of joy instead of a time of lament. Or you're in the middle of feast instead of famine. And 2020 has been a crazy year for all of us. And so how do we think about the generosity of God during this time? Well, one thing is I think that we have to admit that prosperity theology is not biblical. And if you don't know what that is, prosperity theology is the thought that God is going to bless you as a Christian no matter what. So because you're a Christian, and simply for that reason, you're going to constantly get better and better jobs. And you're always going to have a boss that you get along with. And you're going to live in a beautiful home. And you're going to have a peaceful, easy family with no dysfunction at all. And you'll have a car that, guess what, will never break down. Now, that would be a beautiful thing. But the Bible doesn't promise that. God doesn't promise that. And certainly it's not reality. It's not the reality I've experienced in my Christian walk. Um, And so how do we talk about the generosity of God when there are times that we suffer? And this has been a time of suffering. Pandemic's been hard. And now we're on another surge, rather, another surge of this pandemic. What are we going to do? It's just a time of uncertainty. Who's going to be around for Christmas? Who are you going to be able to celebrate with? That's uncertain. When will this be over? It's uncertain. It's also been a time of lament for many in our community. Oh, after the murder of George Floyd, the realization that racism, which is sin, continues to stalk the streets of America. And that's a time of lament. Now, for some people, it's also been a time of trying to understand empathy and understand compassion and understand showing concern. And those are things that need to be learned. But it's been difficult. And we've gone through probably one of the most rancorous political seasons, definitely in our lifetime, Uh, probably not in history, but in our lifetime. And um, we realize that there are some differences between us. Even though we are under the umbrella of the Lordship of Christ, we don't all think the same way. So how do we talk about our differences and remain disciples of Jesus? And we had to wait patiently from Tuesday to Saturday to see who won this election. And we still wonder about the transition over the next two months. And so it's just a lot. And even though in our heads we can say, oh, God is sovereign, God is sovereign, I know that. In our hearts we also are like, but please tell us what's going to happen next. And we also look out at people around us that are very concerned and we have a heart for those people. And so our heart doesn't always match our head on this topic. And for many of us, it's been a year of coping with mental health um, challenges, mental health challenges 
that um, come about because of feelings of loss or maybe made more intense because of loneliness and an interruption of our routine. And, you know, if you can't relate to that, then someone around you can. Because studies show that one out of ten Bible-believing Christians, they suffer with depression. So someone around you right now is feeling um, things and feeling them very intensely. Dr. Ryan Irby told me um, that one out of four or five adolescents struggles with a serious mental health disorder. And this has been, again, intensified by being disconnected from friends and from adults at school that have been helping them. And then the pandemic is hard on parents as well. It's been hard to do um, work at home while doing schoolwork with children. And so it's, it's just a lot. But I also want us to realize that what we've been struggling with for the past several months, there, we have brothers and sisters around the world where this is daily reality for them that never ends. They live in the desert and they live in the famine. For many of them, they never have political security or economic stability. Inflation is just, it just takes the value of their currency and makes it nothing year after year. The governments do not send out pandemic checks for groceries or for rent. Many of our brothers and sisters live in, co in countries where ethnic cleansing is a constant reality and there is no freedom of religion. And if they were to protest about these things, then they would be arrested and put in jail for a long time, perhaps shot in the street. And so they live in literal deserts, some of them and literally are going through a time of famine. We talk about affordable health care. They would love to just have health care, period, any kind of health care. And so I think we need to realize that when we talk about the generosity of God during these times, we're going to mean something to just material possession, something different than that. In fact, we have to really look at it and we have to see that what has God promised us? Well, here's the thing. God has never promised us a happily ever after. That's Disney. Disney does that. But God promises us, and get this, a happily after ever. He really, his spiritual promises are for um, the spirit and also for the hereafter. And so I hope you caught that play on words there. What did Jesus promise his followers? A cross. He promised them a cross. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Richard Rohr, who's a spiritual writer, said, The real spiritual journey is work. You can make a naive assertion that you trust in Jesus. But until it is tested a good, oh, 200 times, I doubt very much that it's true. And so let's look at what Paul has to say about the spiritual blessings we get from a generous God. That's in Romans 8, verses 18 through 30. I'm going to read this. We'll have a little Bible study right now. And I must say, um, please follow along because I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. I realize that the present sufferings, notice that present sufferings, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager expectation in anticipation of the revealing of God's children. For creation was subjected to futility, 
not voluntarily, but by the will of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its slavery to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of God's children. In this present suffering, even creation is groaning. Even creation is feeling it. We know the whole of creation groans together in labor pains right up to the present time. Not only this, but we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we eagerly await for our adoption as God's children, the redemption of our bodies. For it is this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly await it. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit intercedes with wordless sighs. The Father who knows the heart also knows the mindset of the Spirit. And he intercedes for the saints according to God's will. Thank God the Holy Spirit's involved. And we know that God works together all things for good to those who love him, to those whom he has called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that we might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he foreordained, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then he's going to bring it home right now. Come on, Paul, bring it home. But then what are we to say about this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his son, but handed him over for all of us, will he not with him also freely give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? God makes righteous. Who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. Yes, he was raised to life. He is at God's right hand. He also intercedes on our behalf. The Spirit's not only working for us, Christ himself is working for us. And then, oh, you got to love this, right? 35 and following. Who will separate us from Christ's love? Will distress or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? All things that the early church went through and Paul went through. Just as it has been written, for your sake we will be killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in this, but in this, we prevail completely through him who loved us. For I am fully convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is generous. He's not generous in the ways that we sometimes think, but he is generous. So let me talk briefly about how God is generous. Six quick points, all based on this scripture. Number one, God is generous in that he gives us a future glory. Verse 18, I reason that the present sufferings, that was what we're going through, and Paul went through them as well, will not compare with the glory that will be revealed, revealed to us. There's a future glory beyond the present suffering. Point number two, I've said some, I did, we're going to be quick with some of these, okay? Number two, I hope you get all of them. God is generous in that he gives us hope. Our hope is in God. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? 
But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we eagerly await it. We have hope, but it's not in material possessions, or in who is president, or how our stocks are doing this week, or when the pandemic will end, because our hope is not in things that are seen. We persevere because we have hope in things that aren't seen. Jürgen Moltmann, who was a theologian who wrote about hope, said, and I love this quote. Oh, it's so good. Hope is more than feeling. Hope is more than experience. Hope is more than foresight. And then he says this. Hope is a command. Obeying it means life, survival, endurance, standing up until death is swallowed in victory. Obeying it means never giving way to the forces of annihilation and resignation or rage. Ah, that's a good quote. Wish I'd written that. We are people of hope because it's commanded of us to hope, but not in things that are seen and things that aren't seen. We are hopeful in times of darkness, and that creates a countercultural kingdom of light which draws people to the light in times of darkness. Number three, God is generous. He gave us his Holy Spirit. Ah, that's great generosity there. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes with wordless sighs, verses 26 and 27. This is one of the greatest blessings of the spiritual life, that we are not alone. We have a guide. We have a helper who helps us every day in this life. It's a great spiritual blessing. The Holy Spirit talks to God for us. When you can't put your feelings into words, which happens to me every day, because I am not good at knowing what I'm feeling, the Holy Spirit goes to God and tells him what I'm feeling. And you know what? I feel that in my life. I've experienced that. Times in which I've not been able to put my feelings into words, but knowing that they're communicated anyway through the Holy Spirit. I hope you have that confidence and that you feel that in your life. We can experience the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what the Spirit does for us, and it's a precious gift from a generous God. Number four, God is generous in that he works together all things for good to those who love him. That's verse 28. And then if you skip down to 35, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will distress or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, none of those things. That's what Paul is saying here. God reveals his love for us even when we're facing troubles. Here's the thing, though. He doesn't necessarily take the troubles away. The danger might still be there. The famine might persist. The persecution might come and not go away. So the circumstance might not change, but God changes our attitude about the circumstance. That Christ is with us. That God is with us. That the Holy Spirit continues to go to God for us. That Christ is there. And so God changes our attitude about the circumstance so that we realize that we can, we can survive anything with God. And that's a real key to living spiritually and understanding the generosity of God. He will work everything to our good 
not necessarily taking away the circumstance, but helping us in our lives to face the circumstance with him. Did you ever see the film, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel? It's a film, not a movie, and so you might not have seen it. But in the film, there are disgruntled hotel guests that complain to the hotel manager. And the hotel manager says to them, everything will be all right in the end. But if it's not all right, then it's not yet the end. God will work everything for our good to those who love him based on his timing and not ours. It's not yet the end if we haven't recognized that everything has worked together for good. It'll happen in God's time. Number five, God is generous in that he gives us all spiritual blessings in Christ. Verses 31 and 32. What then are we to say about this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but hand him over for all of us, will he not with him also freely give us all things? And some might claim, well, this looks like prosperity theology here. Because he's going to give us all things, and all things are going to come in Christ. And so, perhaps this is material blessing. But consider the context. He goes on right after he says that, and he says, God didn't spare his son. He handed him over to death on a cross. And so, he's not promising material blessings here. He's promising us spiritual blessings. What did Jesus have? He had no place to lay his head. He didn't own property. He lived on the benevolence of others, especially a group of women who supported his ministry. And at the end of his life, he died a horrific death on the cross. But he enjoyed spiritual blessings every day of his life while he was here. God generally, generously blesses us with spiritual blessings. And number six, my last point in this Bible study. God is generous in that he will not allow anything, no matter how strong or powerful or mighty, to separate us from his love. Verses 37 and 38. And I just ask you to read that again. It's fantastic. You know, do you like the Marvel superhero movies? I like them. I'm a fan, but I'm not like in love with them. But I saw the ending, the end to the Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. And, you know, what do you think about the evil villain Thanos. You know, Thanos, or Thanos, it's Thanos in the Greek, so I'm probably pronouncing it differently. Um, it actually is based on a Greek word, Thanos. And Thanos, in the movie, he was death. And guess what? Thanos, in the Greek, means death. And at the end of the Avengers Infinity War, that first part there, and if you haven't seen this, spoiler alert, okay, so cover your ears or whatever, but if you haven't seen it, um, what happens is Thanos snaps his finger and people start dying. They just start turning to ash or to dust right in front of our eyes. Superheroes are just taken into oblivion. And you're sitting there and there goes Winter Soldier. And there goes Scarlet Witch. And there goes Black Panther. And you're like, whoa. And there goes Doctor Strange. But before Doctor Strange exit, he tells Iron Man, he said, there was no other way. So you get a little glimmer of hope right there that there will be a sequel. And then you have Spider-Man and Iron Man. 
And Peter Parker, Parker looks at Tony Stark and he says, Mr. Stark, I'm not feeling so good. And he adds, I don't want to go. And he starts turning into dust. Please, I don't want to go. And I start crying at that point. I start crying and I start to wonder, how will things get back to normal without the superheroes? Because death, it just seems to be no way to conquer that except through Jesus. And that's why God, it, it shows us God is generous. You know, Paul starts the list with death. He could have just stopped there. I mean, it seems like that's enough, but he doesn't. He adds, nor life, because life can sometimes be as difficult as death. Nor angels, probably talking about um, non-benevolent angels. Nor demons, because Paul believed in demons. And, you know, I do too, actually. Nor things present, because the present can be overwhelming. Nor things in the future, because the future can be totally uncertain. Nor powers, and he could have meant supernatural powers, or maybe he meant the systemic powers of evil in institutional and corporate uh, organizations. Nor height, because the heavenly realms are above us. Nor depth, because there's a chaotic realm below us. Nor anything else in all creation. Paul says we will prevail completely. Prevail completely, more than conquerors, because God is generous. So let's pivot here and talk about our response. Since God is generous, what? Number one, since God is generous, be grateful. We need to be grateful because God is generous. We, that's the way to respond. Out of the billions and billions of people that walk this planet, we know God. So why not be generous? I've discovered that over the years... I have um, the people that really are, are generous and the people that really are grateful. They're the people that do the best spiritually. And so I would ask you just to think about being generous yourself, generosity. And I would ask you this week, here's your assignment for the week, if you choose to accept it. Okay, that's Mission Impossible. But if you choose to accept it, I would ask you just to do random acts of kindness, random acts of generosity all around you. And so call someone or text someone and just let them know how awesome they are. Or let's just all put positive things on the internet this week. How great would that be if we just put only great, positive, generous things on the internet? Or if you go to a restaurant, tip in a generous way. Um, those would be nice things to do. Maybe you'll accept that challenge. Also, we're not only to be generous, but also we just need to be grateful ourselves. So we're generous and we're grateful and they have a heart of gratitude. And I would ask you, here's your assignment for that. Number two, just be grateful. And, number, and here's your assignment, if you choose to accept it. If you choose to accept it, your assignment is just count your blessings every day. Write them down. We used to sing this old song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So just every day, write down one blessing after the next, and see, by the end of the week, say how many blessings you can name in your life based on the generosity of God. And here's the third challenge for you this week. So be generous, be grateful, and because of the generosity of God, be wise. I always have my wife, Lee, read my sermons and my books and things like that. She's my first reader, and she's my first advisor. And so she read this and she said, I've been working on something this week. I think it would help people. 
And so I said, well, what do you, what do you, what do you got? What have you been working on? And so she sent me this thing called um, Choose Your Hard. You know, part of God's generosity is that he gives us choice so we can choose our hard. Maybe you've seen this, but just take a look at it. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard. But we can choose our hard. Choose wisely. And your assignment this week, if you choose to accept it, is add to that. Spirituality is hard. Being unspiritual is hard. Choose your hard. Being focused is hard. Being unfocused is hard. Choose your heart. Add to the list. God is generous. He blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Therefore, let's decide to be generous. Let's decide to be grateful. And let's decide to be wise. Why? Because God is generous. And now we're going to take communion together. And as we do, let's think about the generosity of God. Dear God, we thank you for all the spiritual blessings that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We are mindful that he gave his body on the cross for us and he shed his blood for us. As we take of this bread and fruit of the vine, help us to always be mindful of the many blessings we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.